Before I get into the episode, I'd like to thank our sponsor, NPR. NPR is not your typical media partner. From NPR News Now and Smart Speakers to how I built this live on stage, NPR is where audiences turn for non-commercial, unbiased journalism. Stay tuned to find out how NPR sponsorship drives impact for brands. Hello and welcome to Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Aditi Sangal. On the Digiday podcast that is hosted by Brian Morrissey, we talk a lot with publishers every week about subscription strategies. Did it work especially well in the Trump era? Will the momentum keep up? Can it work for everyone? A very big case study with many answers to many of these questions can be the Washington Post. They're a shining example of the success of the subscriptions business. So this time, at the Digiday Publishing Summit, our executive editor, Lucia Moses, asked the post-CRO, Jed Hartman, all these questions and then some. Listen in for some subscription wisdom and also what went wrong with the post's deal with Facebook Instant Articles that they went from all in to all out. Well, the Washington Post needs no introduction. President tweets about you what, every week or so. A little free free promotion there. Um, but what uh, <laughs> what people might not know about the business is how you've diversified it quite a bit over the years. You, let's start by talking about that. Sure. Um, yes, but we do have an interesting relationship with the president. That's true. His relationship with the media is complicated. Uh, The only thing I'd say about that, though, because it's certainly not my side of the business, is that politics has become pop culture, uh, and the palace intrigue is at an all-time high. So it makes a brand that, like the Washington Post, which was once foreign about Washington, and we did start expanding well beyond that before we even knew that uh, Donald Trump was going to run for president, it times with that pretty well. So we started expanding, becoming national, becoming global, becoming much larger, becoming more digital, and then President Trump becomes President Trump, and uh, the palace intrigue starts blowing up. So it timed well with our expansion, and it sort of is what it is. It's complicated, and it is what it is right now. Um, it's probably helped to a great extent your, your digital subscription business. It has. It's hard to disaggregate what anything associated with the president has done and other stuff that we have done. So we went from 27 million US uniques to 54 million before we knew that Donald Trump was running for president. And then we went from 54 million to 80 to 100 million, depending on what he tweets that day, basically. Uh, And we built a, a, a vibrant subscription business, yes, that's gotten more vibrant since President Trump. But we did a lot of stuff before. We have we added hundreds and hundreds of journalists. We added dozens and dozens of engineers. And when Jeff Bezos is your owner, your recruiting power for getting the best engineers is significant. So we have really smart people at the company building really great products. And that and expanded journalism allowed us to double our audience, 27 million to 54 million uniques, before we had any idea that this guy was running for president, uh, much less the campaign started. Uh, another thing to realize is we had a few hundred thousand digital subscriptions after the president was elected, through the whole campaign, we had a few hundred thousand total. And we equaled that number in the following quarter 
when we changed our paywall from 10 to 3. So it's hard to know. What, well, what was it exactly? Was it more of the, the president and all the fun and games he brings to our journalist's role? Uh, or was it other stuff we've done to the product? So that's, there, yeah, there, it's, there it's definitely, yeah, definitely a lot of levers to push when you have a subscription business. Um, to what extent do you think um, subscriptions these days are being driven by Trump and, and political intrigue? Yeah, it's, I, it's a similar answer. It's, it's hard to know. Uh, clearly there's something. However, if you want to subscribe to the Washington Post like 15 years ago and you wanted it more than anything in the world, you just might not subscribe because it was such a pain in the ass to subscribe to, to a, you know, a legacy product. I mean, you have to fill out these cards, send them in, you get bugged in the mail like 10 times, then you just send a check or something. Now you swipe right and you got yourself a subscription, right? So it's far different. And also on your, your smartphone, it's a thing to buy stuff that inform and entertain and delight, right? You, we all do that. Kids do that. My daughter spends countless amount of money buying random little Barbie costumes on her phone or on my phone, actually. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a thing, right? So we are, we're like iTunes and Spotify and, uh, and Netflix and anything else where you want to pay for stuff on your phone to be informed or entertained um, or delighted type of thing. So, so it's, a, it's very normal to do that now when back then everyone was on a different platform and it became not as cool to subscribe to something that sits on a newsstand. But now that's not the case. So there's so much in favor of the digital subscription business. Plus, digital subscriptions mean more digital subscriptions. What I mean by that is if all publishers have a paywall and you run into ours, you kind of have to pay us because you can't get the content anywhere else. So we hope everyone and would our subscription folks would probably help anyone develop the best paywall possible because then it's less commoditized and you're more likely to pay. So when I compete with the New York Times or, or Wall Street Journal or other publishers when it comes to advertising in other areas, uh, when it comes to subscriptions, in a sense, we're all on the same team of trying to convert the world to a paid world. So, so to that point, do you worry about their, their we've heard, heard a lot of this over the past couple of days, the idea of, of, of subscription fatigue. You know, there are only so many news publishers people are going to um, subscribe to. Um, yeah, you know, you, uh, how, how do you think about that? Um, well, it's, it's certainly possible that there's some fatigue, but the digital subscription business, aside from the Wall Street Journal, who had a lot of guts to not go free like everyone else did in the year 2000 because $100 advertising CPMs were going to support the world, and that didn't go that great. Um, so they stayed, and then other of us uh, reinvented that business and got good at it. So it's still pretty new. So whether there's subscription fatigue or not, add up the amount that the Journal, the Times, and we have, and there's like a lot more people, right? It's not even close, right? We all have mm -hmm. a few million. So I'm not worried at all about any sort of ceiling anytime soon. It's about creating great, unique content and, a, and having the, product, the content work with your product, right? It's not just the content. We've, I mean, Gourmet Magazine was like awesome, right? And that's done. That's out of business. So it's not just great content. You must have amazing technology, right? You have to be an engineering team that, that wins Pulitzers like the Washington Post. And if you're great at both, then you can certainly succeed in this business. 
if you pick one or the other, then it's going to be challenging for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and a lot of your subscription uh, business growth is, is overseas. Talk about how the overseas challenge is different from uh, selling subscriptions in the U.S. Sure. So all of the, biz- all of the sub-businesses are, are really experimental businesses, right? You're, you're constantly running tests, you know, 10, 20 tests, um, and you're then optimizing to see what works best in terms of price, paywall, uh, ask, uh, what your package is like. Um, and we, and our, the, the folks who did that at the Washington Post, it's, it blows me away when I hear all the tests that they're running and the different things they learn. And then you make bets and you optimize. And so I, that would be the same whether it's international or here. I think GDPR internationally, it changes a little so you can bring new types of experiments into the, uh, into the fold, such as a subscription-only, ad-free environment, things like that, which we've also been experimenting with. Mm-hmm. But it's, all, it's, it's just about, I, I, for us, virtually everything we do is just about experimentation, and that's, I'd say that's, that's what I feel is one of the biggest things that our owner has brought to us, is that he, he says that he would rather have you try something and fail than stand still and miss an opportunity. And it sounds just like a really good T-shirt or bumper sticker, but it's, it's how our culture is. And I'm from a world that you're more than welcome to experiment as long as you guarantee it works every single time. And, <laughs> and we're not that. So we try stuff all the time. And, and, I've, and our owners suggest stuff that we try that doesn't always work, right? So it's just, it's such a freeing environment. And when you don't have 90-day earnings, it makes it much easier for you to really try stuff and, and see what works. And that is our, I, mean, I can tell you all the Washington Post strategy right now, it, it, our, our owner says it is our destiny to be the publication of record for the, for the United States. And we're not sure how we're going to get there, but we're going to try more than anyone else. And when it works, we're going to double down. When it doesn't work, we'll move it aside. So there it is. I and mean, that's what we do. And we're not a perfect culture because it, it is hard to transform such a, a legacy company like that. But wow, it is really transformed. And we really are a, a pretty nimble and experimental group of uh, executives. A quick break here. NPR listeners expect an authentic, unintrusive message from brands. It may be different, but it works. Listeners find NPR 21% more engaging than traditional radio content. To learn more about how sponsorship opportunities across NPR platforms can perform for your brand, visit npr.org slash forbrands. Now, back to the episode. Let's talk about platforms for a minute. Uh, you guys have been pretty experimental when it comes to platforms. Um, you have some presence on Twitch now, which is kind of unusual. Yeah, it is. Um, about a year ago when we talked, you were, uh, the Washington Post was all in on Facebook, very, very uh, open to experimenting with Facebook and trying different things. Uh, where, are things yeah. where are things now with Facebook? Sure. Um, so. We were all in. As soon as they created Instant Articles, we were one of the, the early uh, adopters of Instant Articles. And we were wrestling with how many stories we put on when we start, right? So in, in, you're familiar with Instant Articles. You, you can engage with all of the content on the Facebook platform it's, itself rather than get redirected back to the post. And at the time, day one, we went with all our stories, which is like 800 a day. We're all within the platform. And they were an enormous driver of referrals for the Washington Post. They were, you know, they and Google obviously drove a lot of our traffic. So we did that day one, and that was more than any other publisher. 
I, I, I'll probably get wrong, but, uh, but the New York Times was doing like 30 or something a day, and, and we're very conscious of what they do because they're a competitor and a respected competitor at that. So we thought, oh, they're doing 30, we're gonna do like 800. And it worked for us. It worked for us because Facebook's pro programmatic machine with all their data was getting a really good CPM on the site, right? And it's only about programmatic. It's only about programmatic. We only sell directly. We're a billion page views a month. We're only selling 60% of them direct. So we have plenty of inventory left, right? So if I'm moving a piece of that to Facebook, it's just programmatic. It's not direct. So I, it, all it has to do is beat my programmatic CPM, and it's a good deal. And it was. And then it was until it wasn't. And then we improved our own stack, and our digital subscription business started getting mature, and the rules just didn't work. So we went from being all in to all out. However, we're always having conversations. They're such good partners in, in experimenting and trying new things and listening. And now we have a, we're, we're doing some uh, various experiments when it comes to both programmatic and subscriptions. And I'm confident that, that the relationship will flourish and we'll continue to have a deep partnership with Facebook. And I'd say the same thing about Google as well really good partners, uh, always listening, always want to know what is important to a news brand. News is part of Google's mission. Uh, and so I, I'm not, a lot of publishers are sort of anti-platforms, and we just don't look at it that way. I, if someone at Facebook leans on a light switch, your traffic goes down. Like, that's that, right? They're, it doesn't matter if you want to work with them or not. They're sending traffic to you, and so is Google. So would you rather lean in, get to know these people, help shape and understand their businesses? Or do you want to say, I'm going to whine because they're so successful and they sell far more than I do, so I'm going to do that instead? It's much better to lean into these folks. They're very smart and they care and, uh, and help to shape how they affect the news business, the advertising business, and the subscription business. Well, some might disagree with whether they care or not, but can you? Well, they care more. They should care more about their business. I care more about ours Absolutely. than Google's. But it doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean that they don't want to do the right thing considering their size and their effects on the world. Isn't there, is there an example of how you think your, your leaning in has helped you shape the outcome of a product with Facebook or, or uh, a de uh, terms of a deal that you got with them? Yes, and I can't talk about it. Uh, in reality, yeah, I think there are, there, there are a few times, I'm not sure how much we actually shaped it, but we said no, and then uh, we experiment, we, they came back with how about this, and we got to a place that, that worked for us. But it's just, you know, things like that I'm just not comfortable talking about in front of all you fine people. <laughs> all right, well, in the time we have left, um, let's have some questions for Jed. Anybody have a question for Jed? Yes. Um, I work for a publication uh, called Variety, and they, uh, you know, made some announcements about looking into a subscription product um, for their, uh, in addition to the print. Um, what would you tell a publisher who has not done digital subscriptions yet, and what would the first couple of things you want them to think about be? Great question. Yeah, it is a great question. Uh, I would certainly talk to some of the folks who run the business at the Washington Post. What I think is vital, that's key at the post, is we've made our content as good as it's ever been. And I think it's unfortunate that over the years, so many publishers have cut and cut and cut their journalists. And so they're curating more than they're creating. 
And if you have a product that's just curation and blandness, no one's gonna pay for it. And I'm certainly, I just don't know enough about your, I'm not uh, suggesting that by any means, but I'm saying make sure that the content is great and it's great and unique. Also make sure the platform is great and fast. And that, so, so once you have those things, then you have a product that you can charge for. And the paywall is then gonna be about experimenting. What's the appropriate paywall? But it will be all about the paywall. It'll be about how much free content versus how much uh, paid content you're gonna offer your audience. And it's most likely different for different publishers. So you have to uh, analyze that and then experiment with different paywalls, whether it's a metered paywall like the Times and ourselves, or more like the Wall Street Journal, which picks a story and either charges or doesn't charge. But that'll be about experimentation with different slices of your audience trying different things and seeing what works. But none of it will work if you don't have great unique content and a great unique product. Excellent. Right, one more quick question. Hey, Jed, Luke from Pure Profile. Um, keen to understand a little bit more about what you're doing with data, where your focus is at, and, and where you're headed. Sure. There, it's a big, that's a big question, and I was just told I only have a couple, couple minutes. But uh, what I'd say, a few different areas. One is we have our own personalization engine on the Washington Post. And sort of like Amazon's people who bought this also bought that, it's that kind of thing for content. So that way we can personalize content experiences for our audience, getting them more engaged and deeper involved and getting them to try different content. And we use that for advertisers as well, right? So we create branded content and we're gonna serve that branded content only to people who have the propensity to engage with that type of content. And that type of content in the right medium. Don't serve, don't promote video branded content to someone who does not watch video, right? Don't, and have interactive, uh, engaging infographics and promote that to someone who doesn't do that. So we use data for all of that and that n helps on the news side and subscription side and also helps on the advertising side as well. So that's one area where we use it. Thanks. Great. Well, Jed, it's been terrific. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. I'm Aditi Sango. Did you like the show? Then please rate us and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the podcast. And you can also write to me or tweet at me. I'll be back soon with another episode.